Last week, we kicked off Fuse uh, with this series called Exclusive Drop, and um, we talked a little bit about some of those things that are rare, that we are, we are excited about um, because they're, they're valuable because they're rare. Uh, so, you know, um, anyone ever uh, had a sneaker drop that you were excited about and that you actually did not uh, get the sneakers? Yeah, me. All of you? Yeah. It's crazy. Um, one time, one time, uh, I, I was trying to get this pair. Um, so it was uh, Cool Grays. So this was about two years ago, I think, the Jordan 11 Cool Grays. And I entered two different uh, lotteries or whatever you call them at different stores. And they called. And they, if they call you, they're calling you to tell you that you got a pair. Um, and I was sitting at dinner with my family. I didn't have my phone. And I called back four minutes later. And they were like, I was like, oh, yeah, man, it's exciting. He was like, yeah, we're just calling to tell you that you, you had won the lottery, but you didn't pick up the phone. And I was like, no, but, but I called back. It was a four, four minutes, maybe three and a half. And they're like, yeah, you got to pick up the phone. Like, you already lost them. And I was like, what? Are you kidding me? It was like waiting all day, right, for that phone call. And uh, I just kind of figured I didn't get it. So I'd put my phone down, whatever, you know. So you have these moments where something is so rare, right, that you can't get your hand, you can't just go to, like, buy it, right? You've got you've to somehow, like, haggle. Anyone, um, anyone uh, go to the Eras tour uh, to go see Taylor Swift? Yeah? Um, any, um, any of my guys go see the Eras tour? Yeah? Colas, Calbers, all, all in on Taylor Swift? Yeah, man. It's great. It's fun. Uh, I, heard, I heard some of the prices that people were paying for Eras Tour tickets. Uh, yeah, $1,000 to go see. I mean, is it the best concert you've ever been to? No, hold on, hold on, hold on. You don't know because uh, you're babies. Uh, someone just said that. I'm going to blow up her spot. Joanna just said, oh, the OG one is this. I was like, OG, you're like 12 years old right now saying OG. So <laughs> there you go. You're welcome. Thank you for coming to Fuse. Um, any of the adults go to the Eras tour? Okay. Was it the best concert you've ever been to? You can say no. What's the best concert you've ever been to? Nickelback? <laughs> Never made it as a blind man. Huh? Oh, you said yes. So, like, you thought about it. It's like, is that Laura? You said yes. Best, best concert you ever been to? Nelly. Raise your hand if you know who Nelly is. Let me tell you. In the summer of 2001, I drove a 99 Ford Taurus with two subwoofers, tweeters, and all aftermarket speakers. Had the windows tinted. Some people thought it looked like a grandma vehicle. Some people thought it looked like a cop car. But boy, I... Man, those were the days. Summer of 2001. Summer of 2001. How many of y'all were alive in summer of 2001? That's right. Just the adults. So... We're talking about this, this uh, rarity of the things that we purchase, but then even more so, the rarity of what it's like to be made in the image of God. Um, 
I would like to tell you this. In fact, I have taught you something before, not last week, but a long time ago, I said something, maybe even at Fuse, that I realize is wrong. Um, sometimes that happens, I make mistakes. Um, and I'll see if you kind of have this assumption, because I, I, I kind of had, I, I remembered scripture wrong. So there's been a way that I've taught scripture where in Genesis 1 and 2, and God's creating everything, how many days did he create these things in? Not seven, six. And then he rested on the seventh, right? And so there's all these different things that he creates, and there's a specific list, and it's really specifically ordered, and there's a lot of like really special uh, like content there if you really dive into it. Um, and what I have taught before is that uh, he calls everything that he created good, but then he called humanity very good. Who remembers where that is in Scripture? It's not there. It's not there. It's not there. Um, actually, he essentially looks at everything he created and says, it was, in fact, I did, not, um, I did not plan this, and I really don't have a segue out of this. You're just going to have to trust me. But I just, I thought it was, fan, like, it was like, like really uh, interesting. Um, yeah, chapter 1, verse 31, God saw everything that he had made. Behold, it was very good, and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Now, if you can prove me wrong, like grab your Bible and prove me wrong, I, 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 like, I looked for it. Um, in these last like week or so, because I kind of just kind of started reading in Genesis at the beginning of the year. But when we were created, we remember last week that in Genesis chapter one, verse 27, we learned that we were made in God's image. This is God before everything. He said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And that is something special that the plants and the animals and the sun, the moon, stars, the, the land and the sea, none of that is true about those things. But you were made in God's image. So that is true that those things were not made in the image of God. Those things were not told to kind of have dominion uh, like you were. So we said last week that when we asked this big question, who am I? I want you to answer it with as much truth as possible because after all, don't you want to base all of like your identity on truth and not just kind of like guesses? Like, wouldn't you be sad if you got to the end of your life and you're like, oh, I kind of estimated wrong. Like I kind of went down a wrong path based on some wrong beliefs. And so when we ask this question, who am I? There's two ways to answer it. And there's the, there's the you that everyone sees, and then there's the you that only God sees. And that you that only God sees, we learn about what God says about you. And it's interesting, in Psalm chapter 139, I'm just going to show you two verses real fast. Psalm 139, verses 13 and 18. There's two things as David is writing. Last week, we were in Psalm 8, and David was talking there, Psalm 139. Here's what David says is true about, like, he's like kind of like singing uh, a song to God, but he's singing truth, right? And so if you want to answer this, who am I question, this is how he starts to get after it. He says, you formed my inward parts, um, <clears throat> and you knitted me together in my mother's womb. And then verse 18, it says, if I would count them, so he's talking, I'm sorry, he talks about, uh, how precious to me are your thoughts of oh God, how vast is the sum of them. He said, if I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, I'm still with you. 
Um, there's, there's so many things here that are important. Um, and so he actually ends this, this psalm. He says, search me, O God, know my heart, try me and know my ways. Because what David knows, this is kind of mind-blowing, what David knows is that God knows us better than we know ourselves. And what David knows is that we will succumb to the enemy's lies uh, day in and day out if we don't stay glued to what God has to say. So he says, search me and know me. Show me any way that's wicked in me, right? And he's going to say, like at the end of the day, like I want you because you, you formed me in my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, it's cool to like have your likes and dislikes. We, we talked about some of those last week. But at the very core, like, the, very, like the, the base level, your foundation ought to be able to be built on, at the end of the day, God created all of this, right? He knitted you together in your mother's womb. There are no accidents in this room. There are only people who are made in the image of God. And that's exciting because that means God has a plan for you. That's exciting because that means that God was intentional when he made you. It says, we said last week that he calls you his masterpiece, his poema, right? He calls you his masterpiece. He's created you for good works that you should walk in them. All those things are, are amazing. But we do run into a problem when we start to think about how we think about other people, okay? So let me, let me do this real quick. We're gonna play a game. We're gonna play a game called Is It Cake? <laughs> um, it is a good show, I think. I don't know. I don't watch it. Um, so is it cake? If you don't know, if you don't know kind of the premise behind the show or this game, there are people that are so good at making cake and decorating it to make it look like a life-like object that it can be very, very difficult to tell the difference between like a shoe and cake, okay? Like a cake baked and decorated into. Anyone seen the show? Has anyone like watch this? Okay, so you should be experts. All right, so first one. So what is that, a coconut? Okay, who says cake? Who says it's a coconut? It's like real, okay? So one, two, three. Really, not many, let's see. Oh, it's real. You know, there's psychology in which one I picked because you all thought, ooh, he thinks it's going to be crazy that it's, it's real. You didn't know. You didn't, you didn't know. Okay, next one. Eli, is that a turtle or a tortoise? Okay. Uh, yeah, joke's on you, it's cake. <laughs> is it cake? Who thinks? It's cake. <clears throat> would, your, would your brain have to like overcome something to like even like eat that cake? Because you're like... It's wild. All right, next one. There's no way. It's real. It's, it's orange. 
Hey, speaking of oranges, are you guys uh, sun-kissed people or Fanta people? Raise your hand for sun-kissed. Raise your hand for Fanta. You got me back. So, is it lemon? I'm 40. I'm pushing 41. My eyesight's real, real bad. It's a lemon? Or is it cake? Let's see it. That's cake. It's a lemon. Respect your elders. That's what I have to say about that. All right, next. Oh, the real cake. Okay. Dude, there's no way. Who says, uh, who thinks that's cake? It's so bad? It's a no-brainer. Who says it's real? Those are shoes. There's no brand? Oh, you said there's no brand, so it's probably cake? I don't care who said it. Let's see. Real. Some of y'all would be like, them look like some delicious shoes, though. Is there another one? This is the last one, I think. Uh, it's outside. So it's, if it's cake, it's dirt cake. Uh, you're saying it's real? So I, I looked at the pot. Are you saying it's real or it's cake? cake? Who says it's cake? Who says it's real? How, how on earth could those leaves be cake? I see it. Wow. It's a big old slice of cake. So, I want to, I want to, um, I want to just say this. Uh, I think those um, pictures are a good representation of sometimes how we uh, we get it wrong. Um, and I don't know if you're like me, but I'm the kind of guy that doesn't like to kind of uh, be caught being wrong in public or like to say like, I know something is true and someone says, no, it's not. And they prove me wrong. I really don't like to be wrong. Um, and, but, but we all have that, we all have that moment where we estimate something based on what we see. And over time, we learn that we were wrong. Now, this shows up in the Bible a lot, but maybe no more, um, more poignant then when in 1 Samuel chapter 16, God is trying to uh, provide Israel with a king. And some of you know the story if you grew up in church. And there's this pursuit of, of finding this king. Now, the first king of Israel, uh, anyone just kind of shout his name out? Saul. Saul. Very good. Saul. Um, not to be confused with Saul slash Paul of the New Testament, but Saul was the first king. Now, Saul was selected um, in kind of early 1 Samuel, um, and, and God kind of put 
uh, Samuel, the prophet, in charge of this, this moment. But the people loved the idea of Saul being king because he was tall, because he was handsome, he was athletic, he was a warrior, like he was going to win wars, he was going to win every popularity contest. Um, but it didn't take long. This is what I love, and I really want you to zero in on this. If you, um, we can't like do all of the study of like eight chapters of 1 Samuel all uh, in one fuse, but I'll boil it all down to this. Saul, um, he became king because Israel wanted him to be king. He essentially won the popularity contest. And out of that, uh, we, we got this guy named Saul who essentially did a couple things right, but the whole, the whole time, it was really more of like a show and it was more of like uh, a popularity. Con- it's like he did not do the things that God wanted him to do. Hear me. On the outside, he looked amazing. His stats were like 10 out of 10. He's going to be on everyone's team if they're picking teams, but he wasn't eventually on God's team. God actually rejected Saul as king very quickly after he became king because he wasn't in it for God and he made several mistakes where he took God and put him on the shelf and said, I'm king, I'm going to make these choices. And so before Saul even got like removed as king, like God said, I don't want to be any part of this. But he was still actually on the physical throne of Israel. And so God says, Samuel, we got to go find the next king. And so they go looking, right? They go to Jesse's house and there's this whole lineup. And then this one verse, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse seven. I uh, hope it's on the screen. There we go. Lord says to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I've rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Now, what does this have to do? This seems like a hard left turn from like, okay, so it's, there's identity, there's, there's cake, there's Saul, there's David. And I'm like, what's going on here? Um, you need to just invest all of who you are into what God says you are, who God says you are, who God says he is. Like, at the end of the day, that's it. If you do that, you win. Do you hear me? Like, if you invest everything that you are into Jesus and what he says about you, you win. Now, what does this world think is successful? It's very clear. We all know the answer to that question. Is money at the top of that list? Yeah. Is power at the top of that list? Yeah. Is fame at the top of that list? Yeah. Like, all those things. Like, we look at those people. Like, we are in, like, football postseason, and we're looking at a couple players, and we are, like, idolizing these guys because they're great at the game. And the whole world's going to be like, man, look, these guys are incredible. And, and at the end of the day, that's awesome. But God doesn't care if you're good at a football game. He doesn't care if you make a lot of money. He doesn't care if you're powerful. Like, even the idea of power in God's kingdom is like reversed. It's completely reversed. So he's saying, like, if you're going to pick a king, don't worry about the outward appearance because that, that won't benefit this, this throne at all. It won't benefit your life at all. In fact, they did the same thing to Jesus in Isaiah 53. This is actually a prophecy about Jesus years and years and years before Jesus showed up. Verse 2 and 3 uh, are going to say this. I'm talking about Jesus. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. 
This is the son of God, right? He's the king of kings. He, has, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. You know what that word esteem means? We didn't value him. We didn't care about him, right? Jesus is walking through the town and no one realizes he's actually the real king, right? This is something that we, we do, This is something that they did to to Jesus when he was literally walking on this planet as a man. We esteemed him not. So I want to kind of back off of all of this and just say um, it matters that we have right thoughts about who God is. That comes first. And I think I said that last week. That was like my final point. Like at the end of the day, if all that you do, because you're, if you get stressed out, if you forget, if you're like, ah, oh, I'm just kind of like lost right now, like you think about who Jesus is and let that truth guide you back home. You just zero in on that, right? Um, but we also have to have this like clarity about who we are and, and, and what he says about us. So let me just kind of um, ask you a question. In fact, here's what I'm gonna do. We're going to do something a little different. In fact, if you can bring the lights up, um, Brian. Um, If we could have a leader, an adult leader at every table, I want to ask you a question. I want you to discuss it for like two, three minutes, okay? So if there's a leader without a table, uh, maybe pop your hand up and and a leader will try. We'll do our best to get a leader at every table. Um, Here's a big question I want you to ask. I want you to discuss. Has everyone got a leader? Leader, leader, leader. Awesome. Okay, big question. Have you ever made a judgment about someone where you ended up being totally wrong? Discuss. A couple more minutes. 
Okay. I'd be curious. I'd be curious if anyone um, would just love to say, like, hey, I got it wrong. I misjudged someone. Keep it general. No names. No finger pointing. Anybody? Anybody? No volunteers. Is this, uh, did this kind of hit on a personal, kind of like, ugh. Okay, let's do this. I won't make you, I won't make you like stand up and tell your story. Shh, but I am curious. Would you just be honest enough to just say, yeah, I, I've, I've misjudged someone. Look at that. Look at that. Okay, let me ask another question. Uh, how many of you feel like you've been misjudged before? Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, I kind of want to, I want us to focus on this. Okay, it's because we really landed the plane last week with making sure that we zero in on the truth about God. And honestly, like, I don't have just a ton of time, but like, there's a whole other passage in Colossians. I'm just going to kind of zip through because it really sums up like who Jesus is. And I just want that to be like supreme in our minds right now. Colossians 1, 15 through 20. I'll just be on the verse uh, on the screen real quick. Jesus, he, is the image of the invisible God. When you see Jesus in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that, like, you see Jesus, you see God. God. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God. He's the second person of the Trinity. Like, he, he is perfect. He's sinless. He is high and lifted up. But he's also the picture of our Heavenly Father um, and his heart and his wants, his desires, his will. He's the image of the invisible God. You've never seen the Heavenly Father, but Jesus... Eyewitnesses, thousands of eyewitnesses saw Jesus while he's the image. He's physically like you can see and touch me. You can see and touch Jesus walking around. He's the image of the invisible, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. This is one of those that just like, hey, when I get stressed out, this is when I'm like, God's on the throne, right? Jesus is the king of kings. Like I put all of my hope and my faith and my trust in that. He's before all things and in him, all things hold together. He is holding all of this together. He's the head of the body, the church, that's us. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead that in everything he might be preeminent. And then last, I think maybe I stop there. There we go. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. He wasn't lacking a godness. He was fully God. And through him, to dwell, I'm sorry, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. Now, let me just back way off and in like two minutes, tell you what like the whole book of Ephesians talks about that I think our group needs in such a big way. Can I just have all of your, like, all of your intense focus for 120 seconds? Um, Jesus is the king of kings, 
And you're like, I know, Mark, we, we heard you. Okay, so now that we have that truth, like, he's it. Like, he's, he gets to set the rules. He does everything right. He's, he's in charge. At the end of the day, we're all going to, like, we're all going to confess. We're going to see with unveiled face, like, that very clearly, like, you've been in charge this whole time. And he thought it was a good thing to come and die for our sins, making peace by the blood of the cross because we were enemies before we were Christians. Some of you, let me just talk straight to you. Like, I love you enough to tell you, if you are not a Christian, the Bible actually calls you God's enemy. You're like, that's not what I was expecting. So the peace comes because the blood was shed. But we are not family and friends of God until we put our faith in him. That's when he inherits us as sons and daughters, right? He paid for it. But while I was living in sin, like I was an enemy of the cross. I was an enemy of Jesus. I was living my own path. Now, as imperfect as it is, I put my faith in Jesus and I'm living for him. I'm not perfect, but my perfection is not the basis the salvation rests on, right? It's his perfection. It's his, he, he bought that peace for us. But the book of Ephesians goes one step deeper. I wish we could just do the whole study right now because we need to have our, our idea about Jesus correct. And I think we've really hit that hard. We also need to have our idea of each other correct. And <clears throat> youth pastor's heart here, okay? We struggle in that area. Because we're like, with the whole like, is a cake thing, we like walk around with like, was she lying to me? Is she backstabbing me? Is he, is he talking about me behind my back? Is he, is he gossiping about me? And we, we walk around with this war inside of us that we're waging when the peace has been purchased, not just for our peace with God, but our peace with each other. Ephesians 2 goes in great lengths to talk about that. He, he brought like the Jews and the Gentiles together. He's the cornerstone of this whole building, right? And then he brings like young and old. He brings no matter what ethnicity, no matter what financial status, no matter what country you were born in, he puts us all together. So can I just challenge you? There's this last slide that I just kind of want to put up, which is this, um, everyone is, is someone that's been uniquely made in God's image. Can I just have us start here with that? Experiment here with that. Walk in with the assumption, I should love somebody today when I show up to church. I should serve somebody today when I show up to church. I shouldn't pop off with attitude at somebody today when I show up to church. You're like, Mark, this sounds awfully personal. I'm just saying this. I'm just saying like the picture of the church ought to be like the light of the world. But sometimes I think that we segregate ourselves when God paid for us to have peace with each other. Very dearly with his blood on the cross. Let that statement just kind of wreck you, okay? I'd love to pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, help us with this. There's not a human in this room that's perfect in this area. We all struggle in how we treat people. 
Uh, we struggle sometimes with our own thoughts about ourselves, sometimes with our thoughts about other people. Sometimes it's in our uh, believing lies about ourselves, believing lies about you. Well, I pray that you would help us. I pray that each student in here would take it upon themselves to dive deeper, to learn about who you are and who you said they are. Because that's our identity. That's like, that's the solid rock. That's the foundation that you want to be able to build everything up from. I believe the truth of, of God and I believe the truth of who God says I am in this world. Lord, let us do that. Let us pour ourselves into that this year. It's in your name I pray. Amen.